You are listening to a Sunday sermon from St. Thomas Episcopal Church in Bellevue, Washington. We are a community that seeks God's presence, serves Christ and others, and grows together in faith. Welcome to our podcast. The following sermon was preached on the first Sunday of Advent, December 1st, 2019, by the Reverend Lex Breckenridge, Rector at St. Thomas. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Jesus said to the disciples, But about that day and hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming... He would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, welcome to Advent. If you've spent any time at the mall or Best Buy recently, you might be forgiven for thinking that Christmas is already upon us. In fact, I think the heavy commercial weight of Christmas has been around since all about Labor Day. Now, I really like what our friends at REI do. They, instead of uh, observing Black Friday, uh, they observe opt-out Friday. They close the stores, they close all their online retailing operations, and they encourage their employees and they encourage all of us to get outside and take a hike. Uh, I think it's a great thing, Zani and I did that on that beautiful day on Friday, and I I hope all of us will think about that as a a wonderful prelude to Advent. It's time for us to uh, forget about all the the hoopla that that happens around Christmas and really get reflective, get into uh, the spirit of preparation in this season of Advent, Advent by spending some time in nature. And if we, if we do that, then we won't miss what's really important about Advent, and that is this invitation to preparation and readiness and awareness. Advent is a season of awareness. That's the reason for Advent. Traditionally, we found that Advent's that season where we prepare for the coming of Christ into the world. But what's that really mean? What are we really supposed to be preparing for? And how do we go about doing that? Now, on its face, the gospel reading this morning doesn't seem to have anything to do with preparing for the birth of Christ. But look a little closer, and we'll see that this text really is all about preparing for the coming of Christ, preparing for the second coming of Christ. Now, doesn't that seem a little paradoxical? It may. But in fact, the scriptural texts that we read on the first Sunday of Advent are always devoted to a subject that most of us would frankly rather ignore the subject of judgment. 
It feels like we're preparing for the beginning of the movie by fast-forwarding to the end of the movie. But maybe this whole movie, the whole story of God being born into the world, this story of heaven and earth intersecting, this story where we see the birth of this one man, and in his life's work, and in his violent death, and then in his amazing resurrection to new life, and in his ascension to heaven, and now in his second coming to judge the world. In this narrative sweep of the story, maybe we're meant to see how we ourselves are preparing and being prepared for real life, right here and now, and real life in the age to come. Now, it's really easy to prepare for Christmas instead of preparing for Christ, isn't it? I mean, that's why on this first Sunday in Advent, it's really important for us to focus on judgment, on God's judgment. Now, I believe that God's judgment isn't an event we should dread. No, I believe that the judgment of God, the judgment of the divine source of life, the judgment of love, is an event we ought to welcome. God's judgment is about accountability. God's judgment is about clarity of vision. God's judgment is the doorway into new life. In his great meditation on agape love in the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul observes, Now we see in a mirror dimly. Then we will see God face to face. Then is the moment of judgment. Then is the coming of love. Then is the coming of that clarity of vision that invites us to see who we've been, who we are, and who we can become. I had a teacher in high school who I really admired and respected. He was a great teacher named Fred Chase, whose opinion of me I really valued and who I knew wanted only the best for me. One particular term in Mr. Chase's course, he offered us the opportunity to take our end-of-term examination in either written or oral form. I jumped on the chance to take an oral exam because, well, I thought I could talk my way through anything. And the oral exam only lasted 30 minutes instead of two hours. How hard can it be? Now, because of this, what turned out to be unwarranted confidence, I didn't prepare as well as I should have. The morning of that exam was about the longest 30 minutes of my young life. It quickly became apparent to me that what I'd imagined to be my ability to make it up as I went along wasn't going to save me for being, shall we say, underprepared. I left that exam feeling pretty low. And when grades came out a few days later, I'd gotten exactly what I deserved. And I also received an invitation to Mr. Chase's study. Now, to say that I dreaded that meeting is an understatement. I feared I lost the affection and respect of my greatly admired teacher. I feared and dreaded his judgment. Now, I emerged from his study 30 minutes later with new life. No, my grade hadn't changed. After all, it's what I deserved, given my lack of preparation. But that low grade wasn't going to be the end of my story. Mr. Chase gave me some insights and some tools that were going to help me become a better student. He offered me encouragement, and he offered me support. It was really clear that his purpose wasn't to punish me for being poorly prepared. His purpose was to help me live into my true self, 
to help me become the good student of history he thought I had the potential to be. That time of judgment, that time of personal accountability, that time of clarity of vision became for me a time of transformation. You know, the story of Scripture, the narrative sweep of Scripture, is the story of a God who has loved us into being. A God who wants all God's creatures to flourish, just like Mr. Chase wanted me to flourish. Mr. Chase wasn't interested in punishing me. He wanted me to flourish. So the idea that the God of love, the God who created us in God's own image would simply throw us away into the fire to be destroyed when we misbehave. And we all do, don't we? I mean, has there ever been a human being who ever lived who didn't misbehave? Who at some time or another, if we had this image of God, the punishing God, the destroying God, wouldn't deserve to be thrown onto the fire? Is there anyone you can think of, including yourself, that wouldn't fall into that category? But you know, that's really not the God of Scripture. That's not the God whose purpose for us is always, always redemption and new life. So why has God been portrayed this way for the last 2,000 years? Well, here's a secret. It's how the church wants to control people through fear of punishment. But let's recognize, you know, that's the church's issue. It's not the God of love and healing and wholeness and new life that we meet in Christ Jesus. And that's why God's judgment will always, always be both just and merciful. For God, justice and mercy are two sides of the same coin. They can't be separated. Justice without mercy is just punitive. It's punishment. It's not creative. And that's God's very nature, isn't it? To be creative. And mercy without justice is just empty sentimentality. There's nothing transformative about it. It's not at all creative either. It doesn't need to lead to new life. In the very next chapter in Matthew's gospel, after the, the passage we just read, after several predictions and parables about the end of things, Jesus says that when he comes in glory, he will judge the nations by one standard. Who, how have they treated those who are in need? He will judge the nations by how they have treated the least of these. Truly, I tell you, he says, just as you did it to one of the least of these, you did it for me. So it seems that preparation for judgments tells us to be there for the least of these. It seems that it really does matter how we care for each other. So how will you prepare for the coming of Christ in this Advent season? How will you become aware of what's around you right now? The prophet Micah had one answer for us. Micah, in one very succinct sentence, gives us a life's mission statement. He says, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, and walk humbly before God? I hope you'll think about that uh, for this afternoon, tomorrow, and into the next day. You know, that's the, uh, the, that mission statement is carried on all of our uh, youth ministries' uh, T-shirts and sweatshirts. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, love mercy, walk humbly before God? I mean, that's, that's a life's work right there. 
And, you know, it's not complicated. It really isn't complicated. You know, the small acts of love that care for the least of these, that's the way you and I prepare for God's judgment. Acts of love and caring and compassion and kindness. That's the way we welcome Christ in his first coming and in his second coming. The outward action of justice. The inward action of mercy and humility. It's just not that complicated. So let's get going. Let's hurry up and wait. Prepare and wait for the coming of the Christ here and now. Amen. For more information about St. Thomas Episcopal Church, please visit our website, www.stthomasmedina.org. That's www.stthomasmedina.org.